Welcome to Ghoul's Night Out with your hostesses, Brandy and Jody. Hello, beautiful ghouls. Welcome. This is Brandy. I'm here with my sister, Jody. Hello. So, hi. Hi. We're back. We haven't done this in so long. I know. We missed you guys. It has been a crazy few weeks for us, but... We're going to get our shit together and <laughs> and get this going again. So first, um, this again was weeks ago. So um, I posted on Facebook about this, and I just loved it. I thought it was really cute. So it says, I wonder, uh, this is actually a post on Facebook from uh, Niles Iman, maybe? Uh, I wonder if magic is real, but only in a really mundane way. When I was little, I could almost inearingly switch back to Disney Channel right as the ads ended when I was channel surfing. Maybe you've never accidentally crushed a ladybug underfoot or your microwave popcorn never burns. Maybe you can spin lots around lots and lots of times before you get dizzy. Is that magic? Honestly, I'm not sure if these are magic or just small invisible skills. Not sure which I like better. And then um, we had a f- they, they had a few people comment says, my ankles never twist. I've always been rather active. I did track for five years, all running events. And one time while running, I stepped in a hole, lost my shoe, and landed sprawling about five feet away. I pulled my shoe on and kept running. <laughs> I have a coworker who sometimes makes better coffee than everyone else, even though the grounds come pre-measured, and all you have to do is load them up and push the button. I have a friend who has inch-long nails that never break. My brother can copy origami just by looking at the finished product, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. That is cool. Uh, My mother can do the same thing with knots, which is also very cool. I knew a guy who never made an error when typing. Maybe we all all have little magics, the kind that you don't realize you have, just tiny things that make your life slightly better, but are completely unnoticed on the outside. That makes a a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's things that that I've done before that yeah I can't think of I I know like, I've done it but I can't think of what it is yeah like I think everybody has these little mm-hmm. things like I I have to make uh time cards for work and I almost always pick the perfect amount of cards yeah yeah stuff like that I've yeah. been I do that too yeah I'm really good at estimating how long we're going to be gone or how long someone's going to be gone if they're going somewhere and going to yep, be coming back me too I'm, I'm uh-huh. really good at that so, yeah, just like little magics that you have that maybe yeah. no one else does. So, hmm. if you guys have any, write in. I yeah. want to hear them. That's very interesting. It is. Okay, so um, next, I have embarrassing moments, but these are phone conversations. Oh, okay. And um, embarrassing moments when on the phone. So, first one from Brett. I was leaving a message for a client last year while leaning back in my chair and balancing a hot cup of coffee on my stomach. As I reached over to grab my notes, my hot coffee spilled all over a certain part of my body that doesn't feel really great when a hot beverage lands on it. I yelled one of the seven dirty words at the top of my lungs, which went right into the client's voicemail. (laughs) I hung up, called back, got the voicemail again, explained what happened, and offered a sincere, heartfelt apology. (laughs) 
<laughs> I walked down the hall and let my CEO, CEO know what happened so he wouldn't be surprised when he got a complaint call back from the client. Expecting him to unload both barrels on me, he instead began laughing so hard I thought he was going to burst a blood vessel. It turns out he knew the client for many years and called him up himself to offer an apology. When the client called the CEO back, they both had a good laugh about it. We actually wound up making a sale, and I got my commission. At the next sales meeting, the CEO told everyone the story, which got a huge laugh and round of applause, and asked me if I could spill hot drinks on myself more often. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least that turned out good yeah <laughs> next one is from dan so i'm sitting on the toilet in the restroom stall at bwi minding my own business excuse pun when this guy in the booth next door says how you doing <laughs> i was a little taken aback but being a 40 year uh, sales veteran i'm not shy about meeting new people so i said great how about you he says, I have, I've had a rough day and really need a drink. Well, by this time, I'm thinking this guy might be uh, batting for the other team. So I say, well, there are plenty of bars around. And he said, thanks. And I said, don't mention it. <laughs> when he then said something really inappropriate to the strain of the conversation, it dawned on me that this guy was talking to his wife or someone on his cell phone, and I was answering what he was <laughs> saying to her. And it happened to coincide for a short period, <laughs> as far as timing, I knew he was going to say that. As far as timing was concerned, with his phone conversation, I obviously extended my stay in the stall well beyond him leaving and being as far away from the restroom as time would allow. You talk about being embarrassed. <laughs> God, I would die. I know. Next one is from Bob. While working for a national chemical chemical company as a telesales representative, I had my best encounter to date. Our division was the B2B telephone only, which I don't know what that is. B2B. I don't know. Um, scripting, coaching, and constant training made this company a national leader within the chemical industry. Stick to the script and you will be okay. I had just closed a sale with a female client and was going for the add-on. The chemical I chose to present was an enzyme-based product that digests the source of an odor. The script was clearly written, quote, each bottle contains billions of organisms that will digest the source of the odor. Well, you guessed it. Feeling exuberant over the sale I just made, I began my add-on presentation. Not able to pull the script up fast enough, I decided to wing it. I carefully thought about what was going to come out of my mouth next while not paying attention to what was actually coming out. I proceeded to tell this woman, quote, each bottle contains billions of orgasms. <laughs> I quickly corrected my mistake, organisms, and just kept right on pretending she did not hear, and I did not say what I actually did say. She continued to laugh as I went through the close, <laughs> wondering aloud how she could possibly pass on a on a billion orgasms <laughs> she bought the add-on i never did follow up to ensure it was performing as promised i suppose she's still at working enjoying her bottle and laughing at me <laughs> next one is from gary i was calling on a potential client who had requested information from our 800 number the man's name was obviously spanish and not one i was familiar with so i asked for him by his first name, Juan. 
The lady who answered just replied, I'm sorry, no one home. Oh, my God. <laughs> I knew you'd like that one. Uh. <laughs> Next one is from Debbie. The funniest sales call I've ever been involved with took place over 10 years ago, but I've never forgotten it. I oversaw a group of inside sales professionals and had recently started working with a delightful, very religious, straight-laced gentleman named John. John had spoken to a prospect named Janelle earlier in the day and had set up a follow-up call for us later so I could answer some technical questions for her. Unfortunately, she didn't answer the phone, and instead I got this voicemail message. with uh, It says in parentheses, with sultry music playing in the background. Hi, you've reached Mistress Divine. I'm tied up with a client right now, but I'm e really eager to take care of you when I return. If you just can't wait, call Mistress Beatrice at, and sh she can also service you. And don't worry, she's just as wild as I am. Beep. <laughs> at which point John says, uh, Janelle, Miss Divine, this is John <laughs> calling you back like I promised. I hope you didn't forget we had an appointment for a three-way with my supervisor, Debbie. <laughs> Silence. Words sink in. Oh, 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 Janelle, I didn't mean a three-way like a three-way. I meant the three of us were going to get on a call and get your questions answered. Oh, my. Please, please, just, oh, gosh. Please just don't even call me back. Oh, my. And please erase this message. At this point, I am literally on the floor with tears streaming down my face with the phone on mute so my gal's laughter did not pick up on this woman's voicemail. Poor guy couldn't face me for over a week. <laughs> I would love to oh have been God. there. That would oh, That's so perfect. I, I can't get better than that. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Okay, next one is from Jane. I'm currently a sales manager selling building supplies to contractors. I started with the company when I was just 19 as a rookie telesales representative. This is one of the classic moments in my career that gets laughs from coworkers to this day. It may be considered R-rated, so I'll warn the sensitive people ahead of time. I'm calling on an existing customer in Kentucky. We're not in the South, but sell across the country. I was pretty familiar with the contractor, but still developing in the relationship. The customer was always very polite and normally a true southern gentleman, so you will understand how taken aback I was when, in a very polite and southern manner, he answered and said, or should I say I heard, You'll have to excuse me for a moment, Jane. I have a piece of ass in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> he put me on hold for a moment, and I was dumbfounded and thought maybe I should call back at a more convenient time. <laughs> When he got back, I asked him to repeat himself and realized, with his Kentucky accent, he was saying he had ice in his mouth. <laughs> Say it to yourself in a southern accent. Ice. Ass. You'll see what I mean. I'm glad I didn't have to give him a piece of my mind for being crude. <laughs> Okay, next one is from Rob. I recently started a new freelance project calling CEOs for a business development, business development summit taking place in Africa. I was actually calling on behalf of an African country government. 
I have recently moved to France and happened to, happened to call a major French company. My research had come up blank for the CEO name, but I decided to call the only name at the bottom of their web page and ask for the CEO name. When I called in my best French accent, asked to be put through to Melanie Fontaine, I was asked in a very dry, superior voice, Monsieur wishes to speak to the street on which our office is based. I carried on regardless and got the name I needed during and during the day I must have told twenty prospects the story. I've not laughed so much for a long time. That's funny. Uh, next one is also from Dan. This is my last one. While on a sales call at a large uh, New York based insurance company, the prospect became very defensive. We were pitching a $12 million outsourcing program, and Tony, the buyer, couldn't seem to pull the trigger and decide whether he would let us work with his company. My selling partner and I asked to use a phone to call our headquarters for some direction. The administrator led us into the unoccupied, expensively equipped video conference room and led us to a speakerphone. While I was on the phone with HQ, our sales manager got heated and his language became less than professional and quite loud. He finished out by blasting out something to the effect of, screw Tony, and he doesn't have a clue. So we ended the call with our new marching orders. As we hung up the phone, a pleasant voice came over the loudspeaker in the room, letting us know that the entire call had been broadcast over the intercom system within the building. <laughs> Time froze. We were numb. And we zombied down the hall. Tony turned the corner. He wasn't aware of the broadcast as he was in, the me in a meeting during the call. We exchanged pleasantries and got out of the building as soon as we could. Needless to say, we didn't get the deal. Tony heard what had happened as soon as we left. Aww. Would it be a surprise if he ever returned another call? That's not good. <laughs> and those were mine for the week. All right. So we got an email from Annie. We did. This was a while ago, but yeah. Thank you, Annie. Thanks, Annie. Um, she sent us a suggestion. She said that her son recently left for boot camp for the Navy. Yes. So she said, "Why don't you do the most haunted military bases?" Which is so. Awesome. That's what I did. All right. All right, so these are the top 10 most haunted military bases. Number 10 is West Point Military Academy in New York. With reports of a ghostly cavalry still reporting for duty, the academy often pops up on most haunted lists. In 2017, Thrillist named West Point the most haunted place in New York, and in 2019, Start Strong, Stay Strong ranked West Point as the fifth most haunted military base. A particular interest is room 4714, where an opalescent figure is said to drift in and out of the stone walls, terrifying first-year plebs. Is that how you say that? Uh, I don't know. As they settle into their new sleeping quarters. Perhaps not so coincidentally, Sleepy Hollow and West Point are a mere 42-minute drive apart. Maybe that's also part of the reason Ed and Lorraine Warren, the famed ghost hunters whose stories inspired films Annabelle, The Conjuring, and The Amityville Horror, also lectured at the Academy in the 1970s. Holy crap. Yeah. That's pretty crazy, I guess. <laughs> I wonder why, I wonder if they picked that place 
to lecture at because oh, it was supposed know. to be haunted. Very interesting. Yeah. Number nine is Fort Leavenworth in Kansas. Fort Leavenworth's Frontier Army Museum has documented nearly three dozen haunted houses, making Leavenworth one of the most haunted army installations. The museum has dockets of stories captured throughout the base and from the nearby correctional facilities of U.S. Penitentiary Leavenworth, U.S. Disciplinary Barracks, and Midwest Joint Regional Correctional Facility, where multiple inmates within the facilities are on death row. The museum's stories are so well told that their annual Haunted Fort Leavensworth tours sell out weeks in advance. Holy crap. It's in Kansas. That's too far away. Yeah, I know. I'd love to go, though. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Actually, how far away is Kansas? It's probably pretty far. Is it? I think okay. so. All right. Number eight is Francis E. Warren Air Force Base in Wyoming. F.E. Warren is old having begun operations in 1867 as Fort D.A. Russell, airmen stationed here have reported otherworldly screams so terrifying they've called base security forces to report it. Holy shit. The responders understand because in the security forces group, building 34 K-9 units whimper and whine at the staircases. The building was once the base hospital, its basement the morgue. The base's haunted reputation routinely fills seats on the Cheyenne Visitors Bureau Haunted Halloween Trolley Tour and has attracted the Colorado Paranormal Investigation, a Denver-based team of ghost hunters, and the Rocky Mountain Paranormal Research Society. Both agencies have recorded unexplained paranormal activity. On-base housing residents offer the following advice. Want to know if your house is really haunted? Wait for Halloween and see if the trolley tour passes by your driveway. Ooh, that would be crazy. I know. Just moved in. <laughs> what are they doing here? <laughs> All right. Number seven is Joint Base Lewis McCord in Washington. Under the shadow of Mount Rainer is what used to be a mere uninhabited, rugged wilderness. Joint Base Lewis McCord has accumulated its share of the ephemeral. Ephemeral? What? Ephem- ephemeral? What? I don't know. Okay. Once the site of a ghost house called the Red, Sh- Red Shield Inn, the Fort Lewis... <laughs> sorry. What? You said Red Shit. <laughs> Red Shit Inn. <laughs> I don't want to stay there. why ghosts would want to haunt that place yeah well they like toilets apparently or oh, bathrooms. Well, that's true yeah let's try this again once the site of a guest house called the red shield inn the fort lewis military museum has been a hub of paranormal activity with reports of hauntings dating back decades including rumors of an exorcism to placate an actor's restless spirit who was murdered in the inn Although records of the exorcism have not yet been officially substantiated by the Catholic Church, numerous accounts and reporting suggest the event might have indeed occurred. Holy shit. That's crazy. I know. Number six is Barksdale Air Force Base in Louisiana. When a state boasts tale of voodoo, spooky hotels, and ghost roads, it's small wonder that when hospital and cemetery space is repurposed in Louisiana, the dead don't get the message. 
Military members whose office space just happens to be along Davis Avenue, coincidentally the site of the former base hospital, have reported doors slamming shut, footsteps running down hallways, and objects thrown across the room. Even the base exchange and com commissary are haunted here, as both locations were built upon the former home of the Stonewall Cemetery. As if the base hauntings weren't scary enough, the nearby cities of Shreveport and Bossier City are a hotbed of spookiness, including an Erie Creek crossing called Green Light Bridge, where unexplained green lights hover around the small country bridge. Those who live near the area know green means go, and if you ever see the lights, run. Holy shit, I wonder what happens if you don't run. I don't know. I think I've seen that before on some kind of ghost show, though. Really? Yeah. Number five, Warner Robins Air Force Base in Georgia. The ghost stories swirling throughout the misty Georgia landscape are many. As the 13th colony, the state certainly makes a good case for itself as being one of the most haunted in the continent continental U.S. Warner Robins is located 18 miles south of Macon, Georgia, a city home to many haunted legends itself including the chilling Hay House, named one of the 13 most beautiful haunted destinations in the world by Architectural Digest. It's a house where wedding photographers have captured the wedding party and ghosts on camera. And if you fancy meeting a witch, just head a few miles outside of the base to Gravity Hill. Legend has it that locals were actually kind to the witch who lived here in the 1800s and interred her body in a grave upon her death. It's believed she continues to repay the kindness by helping cars over the ridge. To see her work, place your car in neutral and watch as it rolls uphill against gravity. There is also a plethora of unexplained phenomena that would send Mulder and Scully running, including multiple UFO sightings and a strange incident from 1954. Still not completely understood, over 50,000 birds, representing 53 species, flew straight into the base's runway floodlights and careened like projectiles into the ground. To date, the event remains one of the largest mass bird mortality incidents in recorded U.S. history. What? Holy 50, shit. 50,000 birds, 53 different species. That is fucking nuts. That's weird. There is no way that's not, like, paranormal. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. Definitely. So, did you hear, um, it was, I think it was back in December, they passed a law, or back in December, they told, basically told the CIA that they had to release any UFO documents oh, yeah. that they had. Yeah. And they finally did. Yeah. And it, it, like, they used an old format, old technology that nobody can basically read. It's, like, impossible to read. Most of it was, like, blacked out. It was stupid. Yeah, it's like, why even bother? Exactly. What are you doing? They were like, here you go. Assholes. I know. <laughs> it's horrible. We were. I was so excited. I wanted to know everything, and it was like, pff, nothing. Yeah. All right, number four, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio. Dubbed the birthplace of aviation, Wright-Patterson is one of the largest Air Force bases and also home to the USAF Aviation Museum full of historic planes where some of the former air crews haven't quite left. But it's Building 219 in particular that has presented the most paranormal activity. 
The three-story brick building was also the site of a hospital, the basement level, of course, serving as the morgue. Hauntings there are so well known that the base featured on the Sci-Fi Channel's Ghost Hunter series. The production team actually received DOD permission to be escorted onto the base for an investigation, which heavily focused on Building 219. Several phenomena were recorded, including footsteps and an incessant tapping. When one of the ghost hunters asked the dark, empty air, give us two taps if you want us to leave, and two taps quickly sounded, he said he felt obligated to honor his word and the team quickly left. Only later, while investigating their digital recordings, did they hear women's laughter following the taps. Oh, shit. That's creepy. Number three is Fort McNair in Washington, D.C., Following the assassination of Abraham Lincoln in April 1865, the arms of justice moved swiftly. After a 12-day manhunt, John Wilkes Booth was shot and killed by police, while his co-conspirators were quickly apprehended and imprisoned in Washington Arsenal awaiting trial. Four would be sentenced to death by hanging, two others given life sentences. One of the guilty sentenced to die included Mary Surratt, the proprietress of the boarding house where Booth and his associates developed the assassination plot. Although Surratt adamantly maintained her innocence, she was found guilty and became the first woman executed by the U.S. federal government, with President Andrew Johnson himself signing the orders for execution. The guilty watched from their jail cell windows as their gallows were constructed in front of them in the south part of the Washington Arsenal Courtyard. The Washington Arsenal is now none other than Fort McNair, where it is said an angry, restless spirit roams the grounds, shrouded in a dark bonnet and long black dress, melting snow in a path as if still retracing her steps to the gallows. Well, yeah, that's creepy. Number two is Joint Base Pearl Harbor in Hickam. Wherever that is. (laughs) Hickam. In a place that has experienced intense emotional and devastating tragedy, something is bound to be left behind. Even before enduring one of the most tragic military attacks on U.S. soil, the Hawaiian Islands team with stories of the supernatural. I don't think I read that right. The Hawaiian Islands team with stories of of the supernatural. Oh, okay. Locals warned to watch out for Peel the goddess of fire who also has a proclivity for hitchhiking as the white lady. There are the ghosts of ancient Hawaiian warriors called night marchers who drum their way across the sky during full moons, and of course deities who guard the volcanoes, placing a curse on anyone foolish enough to take lava rocks from the islands. Hmm. Book ended along the island's own haunted history is the tragedy of Pearl Harbor, A total of 2,403 Americans were killed in the attack. The majority majority of deaths occurring in Pearl Harbor, while others occurred on neighboring installations, Schofield Barracks and Wheeler Army Airfield. The torpedoed USS Arizona took 1,177 souls with her as she sank to the ocean floor and still lies in memoriam. Numerous military members have reported eerie noises from the harbor, disembodied screams, and appliances that seem to have a mind of their own. Those living in base housing have also reported mumbling voices, footsteps, and laughter, doors and cabinets that open and close on their own, and flickering lights, just to name a few encounters. 
And number one is Kadena Air Base in Okinawa, Japan. Holy shit. That's where Danielson goes. Yes, it is. <laughs> Japan frequently tops the most haunted lists in horror film and literature, and the notoriety is warranted. Tales of terror stretch back in Japanese literature to the Heian period. <laughs> 794 to 1185, in a time so ancient that stories were linked, were inked onto scrolls known as Gakizushi, or Scrolls of the Hungry Ghost. Hmm. Unsurprisingly, Kadena, I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, airbase and the surrounding military community have reported all manner of terrifying activity. Ghosts have approached one installation gate so many times that the activity has been captured in multiple videos. Building 2283 on Kadena was once a tranquil single-family base housing unit built next to a daycare center until an alleged family murder took place in the home. The USO used to hold ghost tours here until curtains parted by themselves and a landline phone, long disconnected, rang in the house in front of terrified tour groups. Holy shit, I would have loved to have been there for that. <laughs> Before the building was demolished in 2009, the next-door daycare teachers complained that their students kept throwing their toys over the fence. When, questions, when questioned, the children replied, the little kids on the other side asked us to. Aww. <sighs> and the hair-raising terror continues in the Kadena Hospital Caves, on the Banyan Tree Golf Course. The caves were once a former bomb shelter and hospital where 350 medical staff and 222 nursing students from Japanese military units were assigned in World War II. When U.S. forces came ashore, the caves were evacuated. Some evacuated by ingesting potassium cyanide pills. Others jumped to their death from nearby Maida Point. To this day, off the cliffs of Cape Maida, scuba divers report seeing ghosts underwater. <gasps> oh my god! That's creepy. That's creepy. And I'm not surprised that the most haunted was in Japan. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Oh my gosh, those were good. Thank you for the suggestion, Annie. Okay, so I did these weeks ago, so I don't even know. But there were supposed to be intense paranormal experiences. Okay. <clears throat> so first one. My husband and I live in a hundred-year-old house. It's always been a little creepy, like hearing people talking in the other room and going in and there's no one in there. But a couple of years ago, we had two really good hauntings that totally convinced me paranormal is real. The first thing that happened was when I was sleeping on the living room floor in front of the TV because I hurt my back and was trying to get it to unkink. I woke up at 4 a.m. and heard the mantle clock chime 4. I'm sure I was awake because I watched TV for a few minutes. I heard my husband walk into the room behind me, pick up the comforter, and spoon behind me with his arm thrown over my waist. After a couple of minutes, it was like his arm weighed a ton and he was throwing a lot of heat. Just about then, I heard my husband start snoring in the bedroom. I was like, uh, shit, freaking terrified. So I counted to three and threw the cover off and ran. Well, I woke him up, and we looked, and there was no one else in the house. I know there was something there, though. Don't like that. I know. The second time, we were both asleep in the bedroom at about 4 a.m. again. 
My husband says he woke up to hear two little girls talking. He could hear that they were playing jacks. He could hear the ball bouncing and the metal sounds of the jacks on the wood floors. One of the little girls says to the other one, watch this. And she goes, mama, mama. And I sit straight up, still asleep, and said, what, baby? <laughs> Once a mom, always a mom, right? The little girls laughed because it worked. He kind of shook me awake, and I looked at him, then at the doorway where the, where the little girls were. They looked real, except their outlines were wavering, and they were almost black and white in color. They saw us both looking and laughed. Then the older girl grabbed the little one's hand, and they walked right through the bedroom wall and disappeared. Oh, my gosh. I got chills I all know. Over. That's creepy. Next one. I can't say it really fully pushed me over the edge, but it made me, to use a double negative, not not believe. I guess I'm agnostic on it. I grew up with a Burmese mountain dog. Anybody that knows them knows they're already calm, gentle giants. Mine never once in his entire life barked or growled at anything. He was calm and stoic. Until one night he wasn't. I was about 15, home alone with the dog, and he just lost his shit. He looked around the room, let loose a growl that absolutely thundered in his chest, and started barking like mad. He had stood up and was in a threatening pose. His hair was straightened out and laid flat. He was ready to go. It was pure, pants-shitting terror for what felt like a thousand or so years. Then he just stopped. His hair must back up, and he patted over, dropped his mouth in that big doggy grin, and licked my face. If it was a demon or something, it didn't want to fuck with my dog again. That's crazy. Yeah. Next one. When I was younger, my mom used to invite random neighborhood children over for dinner and parties so they could eat. At my sister's birthday party, everyone was outside getting ready to hit the pinata. My father noticed a girl standing inside staring out the window at us. We have a large window beside the front door. He told me to go inside and ask her to come out and join the party. I ran up the walkway looking at her through the window as I went toward the door and then as soon as I passed through the doorway losing sight of her for a few seconds she was gone my dad thought she had fallen there was a couch in front of the window so he thought she fell on the couch I looked around for her but I couldn't find her so I told my dad he helped me look for her but still nothing no one else saw her except me and my dad my mom said she didn't recall inviting any girls with, with the description of her. We forgot about it until some years later, though. I don't really know exactly how many. My dad and I were sitting in the living room watching TV. From my dad's armchair, you could see into the kitchen a little bit. Me and my dad were talking about the show we were watching when he suddenly got quiet. He said my name and motioned for me to come over to him. He told me to look at the microwave. I saw that little girl's reflection in the microwave exactly the same as before. I ran into the kitchen and my dad followed, but again there was no one. We were both pretty spooked, so we went out for ice cream until my mom came home. I thought it was a neighborhood kid playing a prank on us at first, but seeing her the second time uncha unchanged in our kitchen many years later made me start believing in ghosts. That's creepy. That is creepy. It's like she's only in reflections, too. <laughs> Damn reflections. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <clears throat> Next one, my wife's grandmother was watching TV when she saw a little girl dressed in a school uniform run across the stairs. She yelled at the girl whom she thought was her daughter, my wife's aunt, to come over and say hello before going upstairs to her room, but the little girl didn't seem to listen, and she went upstairs quickly without saying a word. 
After about a half hour, her daughter comes through the door and says hello to her mother, wearing her backpack and school uniform. Her mother, confused, asked her why she was still wearing her backpack as she got home about 30 minutes ago from school. Her daughter tells her that she's just now getting home. The little girl has lived in that house for a number of years. Plenty of family have seen her, including several other of my wife's aunts. I've been to that house a few times and got creepy vibes, but never actually saw anything. Was it actually a ghost, or was it a doppelganger? Or Ooh, I don't know. Ugh. Either way, it's totally creepy. Oh, yeah. Uh, next one. When I was 18, living on my own for the first time, I kept waking up and seeing a woman with matted black hair sitting on my bed and smiling at me. A creepy smile, not a nice one. She scared the shit out of me. One night I woke up, and she was there and slowly held her hands, and they were fucking grotesque. It looked like third-degree burns covering them. I was talking to my mom and mentioned it, and she said, she just said, weird. <laughs> she hasn't been around since you were a kid. Don't encourage her. <laughs> she shows up now, every now and again, sometimes in nightmares, sometimes when I wake up at night. She's at the foot of my bed being creepy. I've had roommates who have seen her, too, without me mentioning it to them before. I just ignore her. <laughs> oh, my God. How? How can you just ignore something like that? I w oh my god. No, I there's no way. <laughs> there's oh my gosh. That's a, that's crazy. Next one, I have two spooky incidences that happened after my dad died. First time is that my dad passed away while we were out of the country. It was very unexpected. A couple of days before he passed, he had issues sending and receiving texts or calls. His phone was always on for business calls, emergencies, when we were on vacation and traveling. Several days after we got back home and were planning his funeral with my family, I'm confessing that he embarrassed me at dinner and my last conversation with him was us arguing before he passed and I felt horribly guilty. Just as I explain that, I hear my phone go off and see a text from my dad. He had his phone charging in the kitchen, so it was already creeping us out that none of us had touched it for the past few days. I opened up the text, and it said, I love you, love dad. Aww. I obviously lost it, and so did my family. My logical mind says that it's just a text he sent while, he, while I was testing his phone the week prior that finally went through, but his phone was on and connected for at least three days back home, and the text came at that exact moment. A month or so after my dad had passed, I was driving to the first family get-together since the funeral, and I was sort of in a funk that this is the first family outing without my dad. As I'm driving through a rural area, I hear my dad's voice yell at me to stop. He taught me to drive, and I was very familiar with his panic yells. I slam on the brakes at an intersection with a green light for me, and an 18-wheeler comes barreling through the intersection. If I didn't stop, I would have definitely been hit. Once again, could be grief and thinking about the times my dad had taught me how to drive, but it still weirds me out to this day. Haven't had any other weird instances since these, and it's been almost eight years now. Wow. That's crazy. Next one, a few years ago, my great-grandmother was in her last few days. My family lives a couple hours away, and I wasn't really able to get there. I had just seen her a couple of weeks before that, and I had personally made peace with the inevitable. One night I had a dream where my great-grandmother and I had a nice long conversation in the house that she had lived in when I was a young kid. 
When we talked about her life and experiences, my life and my future, it was the most vivid and lucid dream I'd ever had. The next morning, my mother called with the bad news that my great-grandmother had passed during the night, probably about 11 p.m. I don't know at what time I had the dream, but I de definitely didn't go to bed before 11. Oh, that's nice. Mm -hmm. uh, next one, I used to live in New, uh, North Carolina in a small town no one's ever heard of. I used to think about ghosts all the time, but only for fun. I never considered it any different from Santa or fairies. One night, my mom told me that she was sending me to Bible summer camp, and my experiences there were isolating and negative, so I had a breakdown because I didn't really want to go. I didn't know shit of what spirits could or couldn't do, especially back then, and I wasn't one to pray at that age, so I decided to ask any spirit in my house for help once my parents had left. I called out, is anyone here? Can you please help me? A few times. Before I continue, I need to stress, I have lived in that house for about 10 years at that point. I was an abused kid too, so I taught myself to be very keen to every noise the house makes, naturally or by people living in it. I knew every creak by heart at that point. If someone was in the house, I would know, and I would know who it was based on their walk. And I know for sure the difference between normal creaks to walking sounds. The difference between the levels, which doors being opened and closed, etc. So after a while of calling out for help, I hear something. My parents' door unlocking from upstairs, opening and swinging shut. A pause. I called out again, thinking my parents might still be home, and maybe I made a mistake. I distinctly remember, because if they heard me crying, I would have gotten yelled at. Hello, is anyone home? Another pause. Then, I heard footsteps along the hall above me. They were light, like someone who weighed so little and was walking barefoot. Almost the same sound as a cat. My cat was outside, though, and these were distinctly human steps. No one was home. I called out one more time. Hello? The walking slowly made its way to the top of the stairs and paused, as if leering down from the top step, something I would often do if there were a stranger in the house or if I was listening in on people downstairs. Then, very slowly, I hear this entity walk all the way down the steps and leisurely walk towards me down the hall. I saw a glimmer of light like a sunbeam catching the edge of, the, of a dress beneath the trees, and the footsteps stop about a yard out in front of me. I nervously tried to explain myself, but I felt a confusion and irritation from this thing. I didn't hear words or see much of anything, so I don't know how to close the conversation. I just awkwardly walked away to watch TV, but I felt eyes on me that whole night. I think I just woke them up and they were annoyed. Ever since then, I have been a believer, and I've had more unexplainable events happen there too, but not much after since I've moved out. That was a weird one. It was. It was written weird too. Next one, when I moved in with my boyfriend, he told me there was a ghost man that had always followed him wherever he lived. I am a firm believer in the paranormal anyway, but it really didn't bother me after some reassurances that he was benevolent. Not long after moving in, our roommate's uh, girlfriend started staying over more often, and this ghost hated her. If she used our bathroom, the faucets would turn on full blast. This would always cause her to run out of the bathroom with her pants around her ankles. <laughs> the ceiling fans would turn on by themselves. The TV would increase volume on its own. You had to unplug it to get it to stop. We replaced the TV, and, and that one did the same thing. After a few months of weird shit happening, I awoke to the feeling of someone sitting at the foot of my bed. I felt the bed compress as though a real person had sat down. 
I jerked up and looked around, saw nothing, but there was an imprint on the comforter where someone had sat. Several more weeks went, went by, and finally the same thing happened again, only this time there was a man there. Big hat, trench coat, looked like he was straight out of a western. After a few seconds, he disappeared. I told my boyfriend about him. His response was, oh good, he finally let you see him. After that, it just became normal. He sat at the end of the bed most nights while I was pregnant, and then after the baby was born, he must have went in and sat with her. We would still catch glimpses of him here or there, and you'd hear footsteps when home alone. We eventually broke up, and I gotta say, I miss the ghost way more than the boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Next one, it was the night after my dad unexpectedly died a few years ago. He always used to make fun of me for watching paranormal shows. I would jokingly tell him that if, if I ever died, to watch for weird shit to happen because I was going to give him a sign that it's real. I was laying in bed sobbing and trying to process that I had just lost him. I was trying to be quiet because I was laying next to my boyfriend at the time, who was sleeping. It was the absolute most painful feeling I've ever felt to this day. All of a sudden, my phone that was on the nightstand started lighting up and beeping. No notifications, just flashing on and off, making noises. It wasn't plugged in, just sitting there. After about two minutes of it, I was almost in a panic. I'm still not sure why, but it scared me. I said aloud, Dad, if that's you, please stop because I'm freaking out. And it stopped, just as quickly as it had started. I know it was him. I've regretted telling him to stop since the second it came out of my mouth. I've never really felt him since. Maybe it was him just letting me know that he was there and that all the shit he gave me for believing was worth it. <laughs> Maybe I was just at a mental breaking point. Who knows? But I'm glad it happened and I got to experience it. I believe that was him. Mm -hmm. And I think that they come and especially if you talk about it before there, I think, you know, that gives me push. Yeah. Next one, three things for me. Two were sightings, and one was an experience that saved my life. First, I was in my first home. I was alone in the house with the bathroom door locked as I was taking a shower. I turned to get the soap, and there was someone standing right outside the shower door. I thought my roommate came home and was messing with me, so I told him to get lost. Only after finishing my shower, I find that the door was indeed locked. The second was that in my current house we have often have nuns walking across the corridor from the spare room to our bedroom still happens on occasion to this day and lastly it was about five years ago when something pulled me back from a pedestrian crossing just as a lorry went barreling through the red light while the driver was looking to his left i surely would have been severely injured if not killed there was absolutely no one near me to have been able to pull me backwards cool Next one, I was on the phone to a friend as we were chatting. I heard his mom in the background saying she came back as she forgot something and said, I love you to him. Two minutes later, he had hung up the phone and his dad's phone was calling him. His parents had been in a severe car accident on a motorway and his mother had died in the ambulance. He didn't see his mom in the house, but we both heard her. The accident was around six miles away. His dad had suffered a broken arm, leg, and some cuts. The accident had happened 40 minutes before we heard his mom. Aww. That's sad. Next one, my grandma and uncles bought a house together in 2008 because it was unbelievably cheap. Every man who, ha who was married or in a relationship who slept in a particular room in the house 
would wake up from the same nightmare. They would walk outside the house holding their significant other's hand, and just before they got to the main street, this house was at the end of a dead-end street with three houses, a really pretty woman would walk out of the house at the other end of the little street. Then she would kind of seductively move her ass, which, according to my cousin, was the only ass he would describe as being as hot as his wife's. And the moment they looked, she would turn around real quick, showing a rotting face and cha charge towards them. The moment their significant other turned to protect them or the moment they asked her to leave them alone, they would wake up. One of my uncles woke up sputtering for air because she had started choking him in the dream before my aunt told her to back off. We later found out a woman who had been raped by her husband's married friends had hung herself over 30 years prior and the house had been going from owner to owner ever since. They, my family, did a bunch of purification rituals and ended up finally lo locking that room for good. And that kept it okay for a while but three years later my grandma also passed in the same house so nobody wanted to stay there anymore so they sold it for the same unbelievably low price that they had got it for in the first place and this is my last one I've been a lucid dreamer since my mom taught me at the suggestion of a sleep therapist to fix my night terrors as a child and it worked fast forward 25 years or so my dad, who I was close with, passed from, a heart, from heart failure in his sleep. A few weeks after, I had a particularly bad day missing him. That night, I started dreaming. This one wasn't a lucid one. I can choose to do it or not. I sleep better if I don't. It wasn't a nightmare, but it wasn't fun. Long story short, I ended up in some kind of an abandoned rest stop in the middle of nowhere with a bunch of homeless squatters, no food, no money, no friends. A man walks in. I don't look at him, but I feel him. I feel his shock at the depressing scene, then his crushing sadness, then determination to fix it. He stuck out to me, even in a memory now, as far more solid than any dream figure I had ever seen before. Next thing I know, it's a party. I'm a teenager again, wearing the biggest, poofiest, sparkliest ball gown. All the homeless people are suddenly my friends. It's a beautiful, happy, love-filled place. My lucid dreaming kicks back in a little, and for a minute I try to change the scene because as much as I loved that stuff when I was six, adult me prefers other things. It didn't work. The scene is stuck, and I forget about controlling the dream and have what was to this day one of the best dreams, nights, restful sleeps of my life. It never occurred to me that it was my dad until well after I woke up, when I just knew. If people can visit us via dreams, if that's at all possible, then that was him. He was checking in on me, saw the unhappy scene, and fixed it. Everything in the party scene, from the dress to the Prince Charmings, it was all shouted that these were what my father wanted for his little girl, a fairy tale. So that's what he gave me, just for a bit. It was so very much something he would do. There have been other things in my life before that, but the question was about belief. I had recognized my dad anywhere, and I believe that was his goodbye. Aw. That's so nice. Mm -hmm. Those are mine for the week. All right. It's time for the witty wrap-up. Yay, witty wrap-up! We are going to do Would You Rather. All right. 
Are you just going to do random? Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Are you ready? Yes. All right. Would you rather lick an ice cream cone covered in ants? Ew. Ew. Or get in a snowball fight against a major league pitcher? Holy crap. Well, ooh. Hmm. The snowball fight might hurt. Yeah. People eat ants. Yeah. I mean, it's protein, right? Yeah. So I probably it's would gross, but eat the ant ice cream cone. Yeah. Mm. And it just said I had to lick it, so I didn't have to even eat it all. That's right? true. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going to go with the ants. Okay. Unfortunately. Ew. I would too. <laughs> would you rather have a strange rash where you sprout multi colored butterfly wings all over your body <laughs> okay or puff up like a blowfish when you sense danger <laughs> oh shit look at the picture of the wings <laughs> okay so so a rash would be just like all the time and random right yeah and puffing up like a blowfish <clears throat> is only when you sense danger. And how often is that? That's what I was thinking. Um, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> could you, I mean, could you imagine just like getting scared for no reason and you'd be puffed <laughs> up for nothing? How long do you have to stay like that? I'm your driving. <laughs> oh, shit. That would be dangerous. <laughs> Oh, my God. That would probably be the most when it happened, too. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's unsafe. <laughs> I don't want to rash, like, <laughs> fucking wings all over me. That's super weird. <laughs> yeah, and they'd be flapping under your clothes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's super weird. I guess I'm going to go with the puffing up thing. Yeah, because just because it doesn't happen that often. Yeah. I yeah. think I would, too. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Would you rather appear as Abraham Lincoln in all photographs? <laughs> or have the, the physique... Have the physique... Physique? Physique. <laughs> Of a baby, but enlarged. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, well, I pretty much already have a baby body because I'm very soft. An enlarged baby body? <laughs> <laughs> I would pick that because that's all. I'm already there. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine, though, someone taking a selfie with you? kind of cool actually that I would think. be freaky as fuck yeah it would be like, where the fuck did Abraham Lincoln come from where did you go <laughs> holy shit <laughs> that would be pretty great <laughs> so which one did you pick um yeah I'm gonna go with the uh what was what was the other one other than the picture the physique oh yeah we're already there so I'm okay. gonna I'm gonna have a baby body all right. <laughs> Would you rather have an afro that grows whenever you tell a lie? <laughs> <Shit>. mm. 
Or have your two top front teeth never stop growing? <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, I'm going to go with the afro because yeah, I, I can mean... control that a little. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And it doesn't say you can't cut it. Yeah. And how would you eat with gigantic yeah, teeth? Yeah, I don't know. That would be horrible. <laughs> These are, I love these. <laughs> Would you rather automatically headbutt anything you see that's orange? <laughs> okay. <laughs> or spike a volleyball only to realize it was a wasp nest? Oh, shit. Oh, my God. Headbutt shit? Like, how does that even work? So you'd be headbutting pumpkins and carrots. Oh, my glass lamp. You'd have to headbutt everything. The, the toy, the cat toy. Oh, yeah. Is it just like, what if you're driving past something? Do you have to drive to it and headbutt it? What if it's a sign? It says anything you see. Yeah. That's craziness. Mm. And the spike of volleyball, only to realize it was a waspness, that sounds like only once. Yeah. But that would suck. That would suck. Oh God! I don't have a headbutt pumpkins. <laughs> I would do the I would do the wasp nest because you you spike it and they come out and you just run away. Yeah, they still chase after you. They might chase after you, but but okay, I'll do the wasp thing too. I guess. All right. <laughs> would you rather your parents have to drive twice the speed limit? That's fast. Yeah. Or be constantly covered in a layer of filth like Pigpen from Charlie Brown. <laughs> oh, no. Hmm. I would say the driving because I don't remember the last time I was in a car with Daddy. <laughs> so. so he can go ridiculously fast on his own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and did it say if you were only in the car with them? No. It just says your parents have to drive twice the speed limit. <laughs> Like, well, this isn't my problem. So I'm going to choose that one. Well, I don't want to be dirty. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, good point. Good point. Well, which one are you picking? I don't know. (laughs) I don't want to be dirty either. Well, there you go. Oh, poor daddy. (laughs) No, he can just have Heidi drive him around. Okay, okay, good deal. Um, Would you rather only be able to eat food that is 10 months old? That doesn't sound healthy. No. Or fall face first into a pile of dog dew? Oh, God. I have to go with the fucking dog dew because that's that's gross. Yeah, I mean... I mean, mold and... You have to eat it? No. I guess I'll be having dog poo on my face. (laughs) (laughs) Bet you thought you'd never say that. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Would you rather suck on a drool sickle? Ew, what? (laughs) No, what is that? Or automatically kiss anything that is purple. Oh, God. 
Um, I'll be kissing purple. Yeah, shit. I'm kissing purple sh- stuff too. I don't see anything purple nope, in here. We're good. We're good. Oh, the wall. <laughs> <laughs> That's <Kiss> my wall, <laughs> Brandy. <laughs> no. Is that is that purple or is that? It has a purple tint to it. Well, does that count? Well, yeah, it's purple. Well, damn it. <laughs> I'm still drool sickle. No, that's disgusting. Gross. Would you rather be pooped on by a flock of seagulls for an hour? No, thank you. Or only be able to eat food from the trash? God damn it. I'm eating food from the trash. I am not getting pooped on for an hour. But that's... is. Do you have to eat food from the trash forever? Only be able to eat food from the trash. So, I'm going to go with bird poop. That's an hour of my life. I can take a shower. I'm not eating trash food. That's true. All right. I agree. (laughs) I don't like it, but... I guess we're getting shit on by birds. (laughs) Would you be would you rather be a tackling dummy for an NFL linebacker? Uh um they would kill me. Yes. Or shampoo with Elmer's glue for a month. Ew, what? Hmm. It would have to be the glue because It would have to be the glue. My bones would all be broke. Yeah, you'd be dead. That would suck. And this is the last one. All right. Would you rather get wedgied on a flagpole (laughs) or have a lead-filled body? Oh, my gosh. Definitely get lead poisoning. Well, yeah, but you wouldn't be able to move because you would be so heavy. Yeah, that would... I guess I'm going to get a wedgie on a flagpole. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. That's it. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you if you've stuck around with us and you were patient and we really appreciate it. Um, send in your stories. We still need them. Or suggestions like Annie did. We will take them. Uh, ghoulsnightoutpodcast at gmail.com. We will talk to you next week. Later. Bye.